And now, a message from Pastor Michael Carmody. Perfect. Wow, once again, Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah, tis the season, right? Yeah, God's good. You know, we celebrate, uh, we really celebrate Christmas uh, because it's, it's more than um, just a secular holiday. We are celebrating the advent, the birth of the, of the greatest uh, person who could ever have been brought into this world. And uh, the celebration of the advent of Christ, and that's what we're, we're doing, the, this advent series that we're doing right now on the way. Um, the word advent just means the arrival of some, something significant that creates change. And nothing has come to this earth to create change more than Jesus did. And here's the good news, no matter where we're at or what we're like, he loves us just like we are. And he, des- he desires to really work in our lives and to do some amazing things in us and through us. And we get to be the recipients of God's mercy and compassion. Isn't that great news? So I want to share a few thoughts with you today as we are kind of winding down our series, our Advent series. We're not uh, finishing right now. We'll finish it this evening and tomorrow evening. If you come for the uh, Christmas Eve services, we'll finish up this series. It's been a great series looking at how uh, Jesus has made himself available to us. And in doing so, has brought God available to us. And, uh, you know, this, this series that we started kind of begins with a question. In fact, I want us to go ahead and look at that this morning. It's in uh, John's Gospel, the 14th chapter. And uh, in John chapter 14, verse 1, it says this, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. And this begins our our dialogue. Thomas asks this question, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Awesome. So one of the things that Jesus says at the end of this passage is that if we've seen him, we've seen the Father. If we know him, we know the Father. So one of the things that Jesus advented to do, or his purpose in coming to this earth, was to reveal the Father to us, but also to make the Father available to us. And in this statement, when Thomas says, we don't know where you're going, how are we supposed to know the way? He had already told them where he was going. He was going to the Father's house. And he was creating this this connection between broken humanity and a whole God who wants to heal broken humanity. And he creates this, this connection, this bond, by coming to the earth as God in the flesh. A, a concept that, you know, is a couple thousand years old. It's not quite as mind-boggling to us today as it was certainly to the Jewish people of that day. The idea that God would incarnate or come in the flesh uh, was, would have been unthinkable. That was not what they expected their Messiah to do. They expected the Messiah to be a, a military or political leader, not to change what it means to be human, not to bring God to this earth. But that's what he did. And so he, he comes, and, and you know, Thomas uh, asks a great question. We all, you know, we all have questions sometimes, don't we? And, you know, Thomas kind of gets a bad rap. In fact, he's referred to as Doubting Thomas. Uh, But I don't know. I might have been referred to as 
doubting Michael if I'd have been around, you know, when Jesus was around. I'm not so sure I would have done a whole lot better. But he had a question that I think represented the question of the whole group that were there. We don't know where you're going. How are we going to know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it's one of seven statements that Jesus makes that are declarations of who he is. And in looking at who he is, what he came to do. He came to provide us with the way, with truth, and with life. He gave us a path to God. That's the way. He gave us truth. It's real truth. Not some kind of abstract idea, but he gave us real truth. And he has given us life. And that's what we're going to talk about uh, today. We're going to talk about that aspect of life. But as I said, this is one of seven major declarations where Jesus says, I am. And then he gives some aspect of his nature, his character as the nature of God. And some of the other ones, let me just share a few of the other ones with you. He says, I am the good shepherd. A shepherd leads sheep, right? And you know what? We have a really good shepherd today. A shepherd who isn't in it just uh, because he needs something to do. He's in it because he loves the sheep and wants to lead us to good places. That's, that, that'll put a smile on your face. We have a shepherd who wants to lead the sheep to good places, and we are the sheep. Let me hear the sheep in the house. Good job. All right. He said, I'm the shepherd. My sheep know me. They, they, they know me. They look to me. And one of the things I've, I've found as I study about shepherding, I've never been a shepherd, but I studied that if a wolf shows up, the sheep can kind of sense that, the, that there's a wolf around. But the sheep don't look up to see where the wolf is. They look up to find the shepherd. Because if they find the shepherd, they know they're safe. So no matter what comes after us, whatever wolfy looking things come after us in this world, all we really need to do is find the shepherd and look to him because he is a good shepherd and he will lead us to good pastures. He'll lead us to good places. Y'all with me on that? That's not my message, just a thought. Um, he also said, I'm the bread from heaven. I'm the bread that's come down from heaven. If anyone eats of me, they will have eternal life. He offers himself as the bread, the staple of life. That is awesome news. He came as the light of the world. We don't have to live in darkness. We have light. We have been illuminated by the light of the world. We now see things that we couldn't have seen before. We now understand things that we never could have understood if Jesus hadn't have incarnated, if he hadn't have advented, if God had, hadn't have come to earth in the flesh. Things we wouldn't understand, things we wouldn't know, we now get a grip on those things. Y'all with me? He said, I'm the door, the gate of the sheep, and by me the sheep can come in and out. He is the doorway to the Father. This is good news, by the way. He said, I'm the true vine, and, my, my, and you, my followers, are the branches. We're connected to the vine, and get this, the same stuff that flows through the vine flows through the branches and allows us to produce fruit. That's really good news. Not your neighbor said, it's not bad. He also said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Jesus came to bring resurrection and life. But to our text today, again on that subject of life, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way. He's the mode or the means by which we make this journey. Uh, life's a journey, and we're all in this journey together. And we're glad that we're sharing this time together with you because we're all just on a journey. There are no professional Christians. There are no uh, professional people, you know, who really have all this figured out. We're all just on a journey together. And we're walking through life together and we're, we're examining the possibilities that God sets before us every day of our lives. And Jesus becomes the mode or the means by which to make the journey to the Father's house. And his presence is always with us. This is good news, by the way. Last week, Pastor Josh talked about the truth and you know, talked about the difference between subjective truth and God's truth. Um, there's the truth that the world has, and then there's God's truth. God's truth is real. Jesus is truth. He came to give us truth, right? Because I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Everything Jesus says is true. 
Everything Jesus says reveals the nature of the Father and the nature of life on this earth for us who believe in him and believe in the Father. Believe, you believe in the Father, believe also in me, Jesus said, right? And so that truth, that absolute truth, the world wants to tell us there is no absolute truth. But if there is no absolute truth, then that's not absolutely true either, right? And so the absolute truth is that Jesus is the absolute truth. And his truth... It's not just something he keeps for himself and says, oh, look at me, I'm truth. He shares truth with, with us so that we can be illuminated and walk in truth. I think it was in 1 John that the writer John in 1 John says, I, I, I rejoice that my children walk in truth. So important. So today we move on the way, the truth. Today we come to the life. Everybody say life. Everybody say it again, life. I'm going to enjoy life. Life is meant to be enjoyed, not endured. And I'll tell you what, we, we get one. We get one shot at this. And if we do it right, it's all we need. It's a blessing. It's awesome. Life is great. Life's a joy. Am I right about it? So I, I wanted to real quickly just share with you that there are three different words that are translated in the New Testament, um, in our New Testament, as the word life. You realize that the New Testament was written in Greek. And um, there are three different Greek words that are translated life in different places in the scripture. And so I want to share those with you real quickly. The first one is this word bios. And we find bios, just as an example, we find bios in Luke chapter 8, verse 14. This is the parable of the sower. And in the parable of the sower, Jesus is telling about how the sower sows th seeds. And he says some of it grows, falls into the, uh, the weeds. The weeds grow up and choke it out. But then when he's explaining that, he said the cares of this life and the pleasures of this life choke out that seed. And when he says pleasures of this life, he uses the word bios. Bios literally means the physical body. It's where we get our word biology. So the physiology or the biology of humanity, what we might refer to as the flesh, our carnality, our humanity. We all have it. I have humanity, you have humanity. We all have this certain carnal nature. It's called the physical body, bios. You all with me on that? So we all have a physical body, right? And it's that, it's that body sometimes, it's the cravings of our flesh, the cravings of our natural body that sometimes, as the parable Jesus was telling, that chokes out the word that he wants to grow in our lives. Our bodies, our physical bodies have cravings, and those cravings need, uh, need to come under the control of the Holy Spirit so that we can live in our physical bodies the way God wants us to. You all with me on that? Our humanity, our flesh can destroy the work that God wants to do in our lives because he wants to plant a seed of hope in us, but our, our flesh, our humanity can destroy those seeds. And that's what he's talking about in that parable. I read a passage a while back and the translation said that about being led around by our glands. And that's what this is talking about, that biology, the biological aspect of our lives. It's not a great way to live. I mean, we have to live in a physical body, but our physical body doesn't have to call the shots. I like to say it this way. Your body is a great servant, but it's a horrible master. If your body becomes the master, it takes you down a path you don't want to go, right? But as a servant, your body is a good servant. And then we have this word. The second word that we'll discuss is suke. This is the Greek word from which we get the word psychology. And it means in Matthew chapter 16, verse 25, um, Jesus makes this statement. He said, whoever wants to save his suke will lose it. Whoever wants to save his life 
We'll lose it. So what's he talking about there? Was he talking about the physical body? Well, he didn't use the word bios. He didn't say like you're trying to save your physical life. He uses this word suke. And the word suke, as I said, is we get psychology or psychological life from this. The human soul, we might say. But this includes things like this. Our thoughts. How many of you have thoughts? How many of you sometimes those thoughts are a problem? Anybody besides me? Yep. Okay. Occasionally anyway, right? Um, and then we also have emotions. Anybody have emotions? Again, these things are great servants and terrible masters, right? We don't want our emotions to be the master of our lives. And then it also means the will. And I'm going to come back to that one. And the intellect. How many of you have intellect? Sure, you do. Of course you do. I know you. You are intellectual individuals. And then that word will, the will. How many of you have a will? I don't mean something you wrote out at the lawyer's office that says where your stuff goes when you die. I mean the desire to do certain things, a will, right? Sometimes our will can be very strong. We talk about somebody being strong-willed, right? Um, sometimes our, our will can really dominate our lives. We want something so badly, we're going to make it happen no matter what, right? And we pray according to our will, and if it doesn't happen, then we're mad at God because he didn't do what we wanted him to because our will sometimes is so strong. I'm not making any contact in here. That's okay. So when he says this, he says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. He might, have, might be able to read it something like this. Whoever wants to hold on to his own will, his own ways, will be unable to sustain that will or that way. Eventually it will collapse. Our ways are not going to get us where we want to go in life. It's been proven over and over. So we have bios, the physical body, and we have suke, the mental or emotional life, the will, if you will. Not surprisingly, neither of these are what Jesus said he would give us when he said, I am life. He didn't come as the bios. He didn't come as the suke. It's a third Greek word. Anybody know what it is? Zoe, exactly. Zoe life, the uncreated eternal life of God. All other life was created by God. Zoe is uncreated. God did not create Zoe life. God is Zoe life. You get that? He created biological life. He created suke life, but Zoe life is God. It's the nature of God. It's the divine life uniquely possessed by God. When we hear Zoe, we're talking about God himself, his nature and his life. And Jesus said, I am the Zoe. I am the nature of God. I am the eternal life of God. Wow, what a statement to make. So here's the thing. Everybody alive in Jesus' day had bios. Everybody alive today has bios. What's bios again? You remember? The physical body, right? Physical existence. Everybody in Jesus' day had bios. Everybody today has bios. Everybody in Jesus' day had suke. They all had a certain amount of intellect and will and emotions and thoughts. Same today. We still have will and emotions and intellect and thoughts. And, and again, it's those things that cause our problems in our world. It's those things that create problems in politics and in economies. It's those, those conflicting wills and ideologies that create problems. And so Jesus didn't come to bring us those things. Everybody has those. But when Jesus came to the earth, he was the only person on earth with Zoe. When he said, I am Zoe, he said, I am the nature of God. I am different, not just bios. He had bios. He had suke. But he had something different. He had Zoe. He had the life, the nature of God himself. John chapter 14, we read our text, and we read about Jesus saying, I am 
the life. If we go back to chapter one of John, you can look at this on the screens with me. It says this, and I didn't know Pastor Josh was going to read this this morning as an opening text, but I wanted to share it with you again. It says this, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life. Everybody say life. Is that bios? Is it suke? Is it zoe? It's Zoe. What, and so he says this. He says, um, what has come into being in him is life. God's nature in a human being. That's incredible. And he says, and the life was the light of all people. That life became the light to all people. When Jesus came to this earth, he illuminated what it means to really be alive. It's not just to have bios. We all have that. It's not just to have suke. All humanity has that. But to really be alive, to really have light in our lives means that we now have access. Hold on to your seat. This is good. We now have access to the nature and the character of God himself. In one of the writings of Peter, he said this, that we, we have the divine nature. That's crazy thinking. We have a divine nature. We have, you and I have access to the nature of God. I'm just not making contact here. We don't just have to live in our bios and suke. We have the nature of God inside of us. And he said this life brings light. It's spiritual light. It's spiritual illumination. We are, we are, our eyes become open to things that we didn't know before. The first thing our eyes become open to is the fact that we are in need of a Savior. And he continues to illuminate to us that we are still men and women in need of a Savior. Am I right about it? He opened our eyes to the truth that not only are we people in need of a Savior, but God loves us so much that he sent his Son to the earth just for that reason, for that purpose of being our Savior, not just forgiving us. That's awesome. Not just forgiving our sins, excusing our sins, we might say, or redeeming us from our sins but to literally change our nature by putting zoe inside of us. We have access to that life. Jesus didn't just come and say, hey, I have God's life, suffer. No, he said, I have God's life that I give to you freely, you have received, right? He's given us that same life, the eternal nature of God in a flesh and blood body that had never happened before. That's the advent, wow. That is the amazing message of the gospel. The incarnation of God as man. Man's perfect God and God's perfect man. In one person, the Savior Jesus Christ. So we look at these options of life. And we all have to decide. I, mean, I said before, we all have bios, right? And it's good to take care of our physical bodies. How many think you should take care of your physical body? It's a gift from God. It's the only one you're going to get. This is the body. Is This is the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? So we should take care of our bodies. The scripture even says that. Do you know that? Check it out. Look at this verse with me. 1 Timothy 4.8, workouts in the gym are useful. Where's it at? Workouts in the gym are useful. And all those who work out say, mm-hmm. And the rest of you go, mm-hmm. Yeah. So workouts in the gym are useful. It's good to keep your body healthy. It's, it's true. It's the only one we get. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's good to keep it healthy. Y'all with me? Suke. It's also good to train our minds to, to think thoughts, to think good thoughts right to train our will to want something different than what we want you know what jesus struggled with his will also in a very dark time in his life at the garden of gethsemane just before the sacrifice that he made on calvary just before he died to forgive us for our sins 
Jesus struggled in the garden with his own will. And he eventually, in praying, he said, Father, if you could take this cup from me, I don't want to have to go through what I know I'm going to have to go through. But you remember how he finished that statement. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Can I tell you, Jesus' will, his suke will, literally wanted to get away from that sacrifice, but he surrendered his will to the will of the Father because the zoe in him was greater than the suke in his life. You get what I'm saying here? And so if Jesus, and he came back three different times and prayed that same prayer. And I'm thinking if Jesus has to pray that prayer three times, I might have to pray it a few million, right? Uh, But I want to pray that prayer, not my will, but your will be done. We should never stop learning, growing, developing emotionally um, in our thoughts, in our intellect. I'm, I'm determined. I never want to stop learning. I want to keep pushing myself to learn new things. Look what it says in Philippians about our thinking. God knew we would struggle with this. He said, finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing and is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. You know, we can learn new ways of thinking. We can learn to think on these things. Because when you think on these things, it goes on to say the peace of God captivates our hearts and minds. When we think on things that are the opposite of these... The peace of God doesn't leave us. We just don't find it because we've confused our suke. We've confused our mind with all this stuff that is not true. And it keeps us from embracing the life that God wants us to have. One can be very, very physically fit and not fit for the kingdom. Right? One can also be very intelligent and emotionally stable but not have a stable foundation for eternity. We get to choose how we live our lives. Am I going to live my life based on the demands of my bios, my body? Am I going to live my life based on my suke, my will? Or am I going to live my life based on the zoe life that God offers us? You know, there was something that happened this year, and I just want to share this very quickly. Something that happened earlier this year that just kind of illuminated this to me. And I don't, I don't share this uh, in, in any way to judge anything at all. Just something that occurred to me about how we choose to live our lives. And specifically, choosing to live our lives either by the bios or suke, that, the, the lesser nature, or by the zoe life that God gives us. Would it be okay if I share with you what I stumbled onto? So um, earlier this year, you'll probably remember, February, it was actually February 21st. Uh, that Billy Graham at the age of 99 passed away. How many remember Billy Graham passing away at the age of 99? In 2007, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association estimated that he had personally preached to over 215 million people in 185 different countries, personally, would stand before 215 million people and preach the gospel. Isn't that amazing? Over 70 years of preaching, Nearly 70 years on the radio, over 60 years of being on television, he sowed seeds of the gospel. And he really only had one message. His message was basically, God loves you, you're a sinner, and you need salvation. If you accept Jesus Christ, you can be saved. And that was, he preached it in a lot of different ways, but that was his message. It was always about finding faith in Jesus Christ. He had become spiritual advisor to many sitting presidents had visited with and met with pretty much every sitting president from the time he began his ministry until the time he died. Those include Presidents Truman, Eisenhower, Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon, Ford, Carter, Reagan, Bush, 41, 
Clinton, Bush 43, Obama, and Trump. He met with, counseled with, spoke with, or was a spiritual advisor to every one of those presidents, 13 of them. That's amazing. Over 60 years of television ministry is not an exaggeration to say that millions of lives were changed by his ministry. The, evangelist, the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association has different numbers, but they say somewhere between two and a half and three million people may have actually become Christians through his ministry directly. But when you take into account the ministers that have grown up and been trained under him, it's amazing. He's only the fourth private citizen in the history of the United States who was allowed to lie in honor at the Capitol Rotunda in Washington, D.C. after his death. Only four private citizens have ever done that. The previous one before him was Rosa Parks. This is an incredible life of someone who focused on Zoe, focused his life on making a difference in other people's lives with the divine presence of God. It's amazing. Here's what, here's what happened. That, that, I was watching some of those proceedings and listening to you know, the different things about him and watching some of his preaching on television, some of that kind of stuff. Three weeks later, to the, I mean, three weeks later, this, another individual at the age of 76 passed away. His name was Stephen Hawking. Anybody know who Stephen Hawking is? Familiar with him at all? Um, he was a lifelong theoretical physicist and cosmologist. So he studied the cosmos. He studied physics. Um, he was hailed as one of the brightest mathematical minds of our age. And um, everything to him was theory. Everything was theory. Everything was questions. Everything was trying to find truth in ways that we don't currently have. He was an avowed atheist. In fact, he said, as long as you have science, the concept of a God is unnecessary. He was a vowed atheist. And there's no conclusive evidence that I can find for any of his theories, mostly built on the theories of previous thinkers. And there's no doubt that his theories will be discussed and debated for a long time. And Hawking will probably go down in history as a brilliant mathematical mind that gave science a lot to think about. And I'm not trying to degrade his contributions or what he did. This is someone who gave his whole life to Suke, to intelligence, as opposed to Billy Graham who gave his whole life to Zoe. And the, the difference that it makes is the difference of eternity. The difference in our lives with Zoe being a part of who we are. I think we should learn things. I think we should think through things. I think that our lives are always growing and changing, but our relationship with Christ is what brings us to a place of peace. So it brings us to a place of hope. It's what gives our lives mission. You all with me on that? When Jesus says, I am the life, he's not talking about intellectual life. He's not talking about physical life. Humanity can do those without him. When he says that he's the life, he's talking about a life that changes everything in our lives. Let me finish that verse that I shared with you a moment ago. First uh, Timothy 4.8. Workouts in the gym are useful. But a disciplined life in God is far more so, making you fit both today and forever. Like I said, you can be physically fit and not be fit for the kingdom. But that disciplined life, guess what kind of life that is? Zoe, a life that's disciplined by the nature of God, will open up to us the possibilities of everything God has for us, not only in this life, but also in the life to come. Not just in the life to come, but also in this life. God does it all when we submit to him. He takes care of us now and forever. You with me on that? So the advent of Christ is about Jesus making eternal divine God life available to anyone who will not be troubled, but will believe in him. For more information on New Covenant, 
Contact us at 3318 Fifth Avenue South, Fort Dodge, Iowa, 50501. Or you can call us at 515-955-6222.